welcome everybody to the Chesterfield Counseling Associates podcast series. We affectionately call ourselves CCA, and we are a tribe of counselors, coaches, and advisors who are passionate about providing you with relevant and relatable content on all matters of mental health and some matters beyond that too. My name is Sonia Myra, and I am a professional coach at CCA, and I am the official host of this podcast. In each of these podcasts, we will be speaking with experts about a particular mental health topic and finding out what they know. But more importantly, we will be asking them how their experience can be useful to our listeners. In other words, we want the show to be as practical as it is informative. Today, I'm in the studio with Ginny Lupka. And boy, do we have an interesting topic for you listeners today. We are going to be talking about spiritual abuse, sometimes referred to as religious trauma, what it is, how to recognize it, and what to do if we have experienced it. Now, whether you subscribe to a particular faith life or none at all, I promise you will find this conversation thought-provoking and informative. All right. Well, I am here in our podcast studio um, with one of our therapists. Um, Her name is Jenny Lupka, and we're going to have an interesting conversation this morning. I hope if you're out there, you will listen to the entire conversation because we're not only going to talk about spiritual abuse and religious trauma, but we're going to talk about how to identify if that is something that is happening to you or has happened to you in the past, and most importantly, what it is that you can do about it. So welcome, Jenny. It's so nice to have you here this morning. Thanks for having me. Gladly. Um, Why don't you go ahead, if you don't mind, and introduce yourself. You'll do a much better job than I will. Tell us a little bit about how you became a therapist and also just, you know, where your interest in this topic of spiritual abuse or religious trauma began. Yeah. So I am currently a graduate student. I'm at Covenant Seminary here in St. Louis. Um, I'm about to wrap up my degree here in a couple months, but I am an intern therapist here at CCA, so I've been seeing clients for a while now, and I have grown up in the church. I do identify as a Christian, um, and I didn't know anything about religious trauma or spiritual abuse, and then I went to seminary and ironically learned all about that there, um, not because of covenant specifically, but just because I started to have language for what I had experienced in my life previously. And I was surrounded by a community of people who also were using those vocabulary words. And so I was able to identify some of my previous experiences that had been really harmful and explore what spirituality looks like for me on the other side of of that in this process of healing. And in the midst of identifying those things, I just became really interested in how other people might be navigating recovering yeah. from spiritual abuse and or religious trauma and uh, just became interested in incorporating that in my work. So I've done some some research and d- continue to do learning and I really enjoy working with clients as they as they process that together. So it's yeah. a personal passion and it's also something that you have experience with and also something that you will probably see clients or are seeing clients with. I'm really glad that you mentioned the idea of language because sometimes in therapy, what can be this, this so helpful is to help someone find language about, around something that they're feeling or experiencing where before they just didn't know how to describe it. And I'm wondering because we hear these words like spiritual abuse and religious trauma and they kind of get thrown out there and they get used interchangeably. Can you help me understand, are they the same thing or um, do we need to define them differently? Yeah. So I find myself using them interchangeably. I'll try to stick to just saying spiritual abuse for this podcast. Uh, But essentially, religious trauma and spiritual abuse are somewhat similar and somewhat different. I like to think about 
spiritual abuse as being something that is that occurs when religion or spirituality is used to inflict harm. So spiritual abuse is something that occurs when uh, when those things are are wielded against someone. And the thing with spiritual abuse is it is incredibly slippery. It's mm. incredibly subjective. It can look like a lot of different things for different people. And yet there are some consistent symptoms or experiences that people might have if they've endured spiritual abuse. So it's so hard to identify it because it can look like so many different things for people. And I think one of the things from the jump that I want to say just here is that spiritual abuse might look very different for me than it does for someone else. Um, And it's important to hold space for the vocabulary that people want to use to identify their experiences, whether, you know, they still are spiritual or if they've, you know, left that behind for their own healing and safety, or if they feel like they have experienced abuse or they feel like it was just, you know, a convicting experience that hit home and it can, it can hold a lot of pieces for people. And I think that the language is important just to acknowledge that there is a lot of gray area and that in and of itself is the work of spiritual abuse healing. That's really important. So if you're listening again, keeping in mind that this is subjective, Um, Keeping in mind that this is not a prescriptive podcast where we're now going to give you a quiz and see, you know, if you need to go address harm. This is informational and this is for you to start thinking about your spirituality and especially if, if you've had pain. So can you tell me then a little bit about what are some of the elements that we or what are some things that we think about when it comes to religious trauma? What is it? And then we're going to talk a little bit about how to identify it. Yeah. So. Experiencing spiritual abuse can prompt a lot of psychological damage. It can be uh, any kind of, actually, you can experience all kinds of symptoms that you might experience if you had PTSD. So you could experience a whole myriad of things from depression, anxiety, flashbacks. You could experience physiological symptoms um, like gut health issues or you could have panic attacks or you can have sexual dysfunction as a result of spiritual abuse. Um, and essentially, the idea is that the, defen- the definition is intentionally broad. It can hold a lot. Um, like I said, it's a slippery thing. So I, I read somewhere recently that trauma is not an event itself, but the subjective experience of an event or a series of events. And so you might experience a thing that was harmful and your body might process it as profoundly traumatic or it might just roll off your back. Um, but I think listening to other people's stories is incredibly helpful. It kind of can help orient us to saying, wow, that was similar to my experience or hmm, that kind of rings true for me. I wonder if I might have a similar similar kind of experience as this person and it helps us kind of define it more sometimes. I think that definition of trauma is really helpful because it's true for trauma in general. You know, if, if uh, a counselor is defining what it is, it's that experience of being overwhelmed and feeling like you don't have agency, you don't know how to deal with a certain situation. So trauma doesn't always have to be something huge and dramatic, big T trauma. Um, it's, you know, you don't have to come back from war to experience trauma. Mm-hmm. There are smaller traumas that you can experience as well, especially when it comes to spiritual abuse um, and spiritual trauma. Yeah. And the thing with spiritual abuse also is that you might experience acute spiritual abuse, like a one-time event that's profoundly harmful. You could experience um, complex spiritual abuse where it's a combination of really acute things or even more chronic things that happen over a period of time. Or you could experience just a chronic sense of spiritual abuse where you might be in a situation that is continually harmful on different levels. But essentially, it's that ongoing feeling of being unsafe or 
feeling unworthy or feeling somehow threatened or your spirituality is somehow threatened or, or feeling like you don't have power um, in a way that makes you feel like you're in danger somehow on some level. So, so if somebody's listening or if, if we're talking about this topic and we have kind of this disease and wonder, I don't know, maybe, you know, there are some things that I have felt in the past that have really um, concerned me. I feel like maybe there has been some spiritual abuse. What are some ways that we can actually identify that? So there's probably assessments and things like that. Um, how, how would somebody know? What, is there like a checklist or how can we figure out whether there has been trauma or abuse? Yeah. So there are some screeners and inventories out in the universe about these things. Um, the Empathy Paradigm is a website that I recommend to people all the time. They have some really fantastic screeners on there just to kind of help wrap your arms around some of the things you might have experienced. Um, they have a thing called the Religious Trauma Inventory and it assesses for themes like shame and blame or suppression, anxiety or cynicism, things that people might possibly experience on the other side of, of experiencing some spiritual and, and abuse. And if you're listening, we'll make sure that that gets into the notes or into the comments of uh, wherever you're watching this podcast. I'm sorry, Jeannie, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so that's one inventory on the empathy paradigm. Um, and it's, I believe it's free and accessible. And then there's also the spiritual harm and abuse scale. It's a clinical screener and it identifies all kinds of different dynamics, such as if you've experienced controlling leadership, um, pastors or leaders that might be significantly exalted other over other people and talk about having a direct line to God. That can be something that the screener assesses for or uh, spaces that might embrace violence or prioritizing, maintaining the system, thinking about that the system is more important than the people and their individual well-being. Um, gender discrimination is another thing that the screener assesses for. Is there is there gender discrimination within this system, this religious organization or specific theology? Okay, now I'm going to pause you there because that's a tricky one, right? Mm -hmm. Because in different faiths and in different faith denominations and practices— Women are sometimes um, not allowed in certain arenas. Um, it, is it important whether or not women have equality or is it the experience? And I'm really asking this question because I don't know. Is it the experience of feeling like um, you are somehow considered less than? Because um, I'm, I'm thinking there are people out there who would say that, you know, maybe men and women do have different roles and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But there are others who would say, you know, that for me was a huge hindrance in my spiritual growth. So mm -hmm. is, is it both and or either or? Yeah. I think through a trauma lens, it, it boils back to the idea of do you feel safe and do you feel worthy and valuable, regardless of what your theology around gender hierarchy is. So um, within Christian circles, we might use the words complementarian to talk about an authority hierarchy with the genders, like men are over women, men have more power or have more opportunity to lead or, or whatever that looks like in your church. And women's roles are to be more submissive to men, and that's the structure within that theology or that paradigm. And then we might use the word egalitarian to talk about genders being more equal and having equal roles and things like that. But the point is within whatever you might agree with theologically, whether you're a Christian or Muslim or non-religious or whatever, it goes back to do you feel safe and valued in your gender, whatever you identify as, before before your higher power, before God? Um, do you feel equal? Do you feel safe in who you are? And okay. so sometimes people experience certain theologies when it comes to gender hierarchy in a way that feels really abusive. And sometimes it's used in a way to, to abuse people. 
and that might be particularly harmful for them. And then someone else might hear that theology, and but they do feel very safe and they do feel very worthy yeah. and valued. And so it doesn't have the same harmful impact, which goes back to spiritual abuse is so slippery and yeah. it's so hard to, to identify sometimes. But yeah. safe and valued. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, that's a really important um, indicator for whether or not this is a good, um, whether or not this faith practice is something that you want to continue or not. Okay. Yeah. All right. So keep going. I know there's a couple of more things that you have on your list of things that kind of help us to understand whether or not there is religious trauma involved. Yeah. So there's two more categories on this this screener. Um, The second to last one is called internal distress, just the sense of how do you feel inside of yourself as you experience interactions with people in the system? Um, Are you experiencing depression, anxiety, self-image issues, social isolation, anger, lack of meaning? other things like that. And then the last one is the harmful God image. So within specifically Christian circles, how do you, how do you perceive God throughout this experience that may have been spiritually abusive? Do you see God as welcoming and gracious and compassionate and kind and loving, or has God become something that is wrathful and and just and, and powerful and disconnected and not gracious and not loving? Um, Because once we start falling into a place where where God is becoming the villain in your story, and that might be a, a red flag about some ways that theology has been twisted. Yeah, and so asking yourself, you know, as you think about these lists, does my church allow me to um, to to talk to my leaders even, or to challenge them, or to ask questions? Um, you know, is it, it, do I feel like there could be violence used against me, even if it's not physical? Is there mm-hmm. you know sort of this emotional pressure? Um, gender discrimination, distress, when I walk into my place of worship, do I feel safe, Mm -hmm. you know, or do I feel like someone's going to bombard me? We're looking at each other nodding because, again, we can see the trickiness in this, right? Because places of worship are often places where we kind of ask for leadership in our lives or we look to others to guide us. But on that continuum, how easy it is to get down a path where others are not just guiding us, they are telling us, they're taking control of us, they mm-hmm. are telling us that our destiny, our spiritual life, our our afterlife um, looks a certain way. And if we don't comply, there could be you know a negative outcome. That's a really big deal. And it's mm-hmm. worth pausing and asking ourselves, do we feel okay? You, you said something earlier, though, and that is, even though it's very subjective, Sometimes there's a cycle. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's not just recognizing some of these individual markers, but there's a pattern that happens in a spiritual environment that's abusive. Mm-hmm. Can you say a little bit more about what that pattern looks like and how we might be able to recognize that? Yeah. So just like there is a cycle of abuse within some abusive relationships, there can be a cycle of abuse within some spiritual or religious contexts. And so essentially there's, just to go over it really, really quickly, I'm just going to do a 30,000 foot (laughs) overview. Um, There can be things like a love bombing stage, the idea of you just feel so safe and valued and cared for by these people that are in leadership over you. You feel welcomed into this community. You are, you are part of the group and it feels great. And so that's kind of the start. So you might enter this new spiritual life or this new spiritual world, or Mm -hmm. you meet a group of people. And when you first come in, I love the word love bombing. Yeah. You just feel like this is the place. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. No, that's, that's great. great. Yeah. yeah. However, in, in sort of abusive situations or cycles, there's a next 
kind of uh, stage that happens? What what does that next stage look like? Right. Uh, The next stage is called the tension building stage. And so essentially you might start experiencing a decrease of patience or understanding as you, as you learn different concepts or wrestle to assimilate with the group and you might experience a decreased tolerance for not learning or applying religious teachings or, and then you might experience a decreased trust in yourself. Things start feeling not right. They start feeling more unsafe. You start feeling a little bit more worried about, am I going to mess this up? Am I going to disappoint someone? Am I going to be cast out of the group? So you start kind of feeling this, this new sense of tension. So that's the second stage. So, and in that stage, I'm trying to think back at some different experiences I've had. It's not just the pastor mm-hmm. or the, you know, if you will, executive leadership. You can start to feel that from people, you know, other parishioners. You can start to feel that from other kinds of leaders in the church where you get the sense of, um, I have to submit and um, I have to be compliant or else I might be excluded or I'm going to be shamed or I'm going to be humiliated. So this yeah. initial fear of disappointing someone because there could be repercussions mm-hmm. kind of creeps in after you've had this kind of right. you know, lovely moment with them. Okay. Right. Um, but, but then we've kind of had that there's this tension that's building. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's this, this next phase that's actually you know, something, you know, not so great actually help uh, happens. Help us with that one, Tinny. Yeah. So the next one is called the explosion stage. And so essentially it's, it's exactly what it sounds like. There becomes um, punishment for sins or uncondoned behavior. If you're, if you're doing things that your, your group, whatever that looks like, things that you should not be doing. And there might be punishment for that going outside the group for help, going against group rules, sins, whatever that might look like. Um, There could also be threats of excommunication or disfellowship. You have engaged in this behavior. Now you're no longer welcome here. There could even be threats against your eternal life, your salvation. Now that you've done this, your, your spiritual eternal life is now in, in the, in the, in the balance. It could be doomed because you've stepped out of line. So these threats become really explicit and very tangible. Sometimes there could be violence as part of this. There could be threats of taking away community or, or housing or finances, all kinds of stuff. So it really becomes a more, a more tangible kind of thing, um, which can be really scary and really frightening. Yeah. And you mentioned even, you know, physical violence or sexual violence. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime there's, there's, threats that actually um, could result in harm, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we need to take that very seriously. Yeah. Um, and so, however, what happens is in this cycle, so you have this loving cycle and you have this tension and you have this explosion where some of us might say, okay, that's it, I'm done. Mm-hmm. But there's something that kind of happens then that keeps us in this cycle. What What is that last piece of the cycle? Yeah, that last piece is called the honeymoon or the recommitment stage. And it's, in my perspective, it feels like the most heartbreaking stage a little bit because you've experienced so much hardship and yet you still feel welcomed into this group. And this group might, you know, try to reconcile with you, might make apologies, but they might still keep that blame on you. The reason that you experienced that explosion is because of behaviors that you engaged with. And now we had to correct you so that you can be right, right with us, right with God. But it's a sense of you're welcomed back. We're really sorry that that happened, but also, you know, please be back in the group. And it's a recommitment and it goes back to feeling included and cared for while also still bearing the repercussions of that correction. And then because it's a cycle, it goes back to that love bombing stage of feeling cared for and welcomed and loved. And not, I think it's important to name that not everyone that has experienced spiritual abuse has experienced 
excuse me, experience that cycle of abuse. Some people do and some people don't. And that doesn't mean that is not a specific marker of, oh, I haven't experienced a cycle of abuse. Therefore, I haven't experienced spiritual right. abuse or religious right. trauma. It's just another way that people might experience this in some groups. Um, but I think it can be a helpful way to just identify how we can get caught in these things that can be really harmful and really disorienting because that love bomb stage can feel so good. We just want to feel loved and welcomed and cared for. Yeah. Especially if our desire is to be good and to do the right yeah. things before our, you know, whoever our spiritual lead is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting, Jenny, you mentioned early on that this kind of cycle mimics the kind of abuse cycle that we see often with people who stay in relationships where there's abuse. And it reminds me that this, this spiritual abuse that we're talking about doesn't have to happen in a church. Mm-hmm. This can ha- or, or in any place of worship, this can happen at home. Yeah. So you may have a family member. Um, it could be someone you're married to. It could be someone else in your family who is doing these things as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, our ability to say, Hey, wait a minute. Um, this is, this is not working for me. This doesn't hit on the, the spaces in me that do me good. Um, is, is going to be tricky because we want that reuniting. We, after the explosion, we want to reconnect again. And so, you know, again, keep in mind that this doesn't have to come from pastoral leadership. This mm-hmm. can come from people in your circle of friends. It can come from family members, um, which might even be a little bit trickier. Yeah. And I think also it goes back to that lack of trust of self. If you're in a group or in a spiritual relationship with a mentor or a parent or whomever that you're, you're navigating the cycle of abuse with, if one of the parts of that abuse is to have an increased decrease of self, you know, what if, what if my thoughts are deceitful? What if my feelings are deceitful? Or what if I, what if my gut can't be trusted? Then when you're experiencing this hardship, you might not be able to connect with that internal discernment because you've been taught that it's not reliable. And so that's when spiritual abuse can be so nefarious and so insidious. And yeah. so before we go on and talk a little bit about well, what, what can we do if we think we might be the victim of spiritual abuse, I, I just want to say that from the other side of the coin, as parents and as leaders, when we claim to have or when we have spiritual authority in somebody's life or we have authority over someone's life, it behooves us to be very thoughtful and careful. So, you know, going back and listening to this podcast through the lens of, am I doing these things, even with our children, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and and people are going to push back on how much do we get to guide and, and kind of force our children to have certain spiritual opinions? And where do we kind of pull back a little bit and say, okay, you know, what is your, what are your thoughts and your opinions about these things? But especially as leaders, if we fall into the role where we're starting to feel like we have to intimidate or shame or call on, you know, a a God that is not loving, um, then it behooves us to pause and say, you know, is, is this a, a good space for me? Do I need to do a little bit of work on my leadership too? Yeah. And I think that also, that's another good point, just that not every person that has harmed someone intentionally wanted to be a right. spiritual abuser. Right. Sometimes we spiritual we experience spiritual harm at the hands of someone that really does care for us and is not someone that wished to do any harm and has no ill intent toward us to cause any sort of abuse or trauma. And yet their actions were traumatic. And so it's hard to hold space for those things. What if someone who I really do trust cares about me a lot has also caused me harm? That's hard. And I think as a leader and even as a counselor that works in this business, it's so important to go back to a place of humility and also 
the willingness to be open to correction and open to feedback and, and also staying true to your sense of higher power. And for me, you know, making sure I'm, I'm following the Lord's wisdom and following what that looks like. And so I can care for people well and apologize really quickly when I might've done harm without meaning to. The willingness to be humble and open to correction. Wow. How, how would the world be if we could all do a little bit more of that? That's, those are amazing words. I also wanted to name, I blatantly got this cycle of abuse from the empathy paradigm. So it just continues to be a great resource. (laughs) Okay. We'll put that into the the notes or whatever we have uh, in the comments. So let's ask this question and let's pivot. Um, If you think, if there's somebody listening who thinks, wow, you know, some of these things might apply to me, Um, obviously, we're not all going to turn around and run to our place of worship or to our leaders and, and, you know, just put in our resignation and leave. We want to figure this out. So what are some things that someone can do if they think, wow, I I think maybe there has been spiritual abuse in my past? Yeah, I think, first of all, just starting off with a posture of grace towards yourself and kindness as you begin to identify these things can be really disorienting and really, really difficult. Um, This healing journey can be really long and it can be painful. So I think even if you begin to wonder, oh, I wonder if this touches on my story, just to immediately move towards yourself with a posture of kindness is a great place to start. Um, And then there's also some really fantastic resources that I'd recommend stepping into just to begin to get more vocabulary and a better sense of identifying some things that might have happened. And we have a bunch of resources that we'll, we'll drop into the notes. Like We've Sonia got said. some podcasts, some books. We've got some websites and things you can look at. Yep. Yeah. And so that might just be a good way to begin to identify and kind of get a sense of what have you experienced and get a sense of the vocabulary. You can also reach out to a counselor, a mental health professional who specializes in religious trauma recovery, um, just so that they can give you some more support as you begin that journey. Yeah. Okay. And I'm just going to put in a little pitch because I so firmly believe in the counselors we have here. So if you're interested in connecting with Ginny, um, we will also put her information um, for you to see it. And and if you're not sure, uh, reach out to a counselor, get a recommendation from one, go through your insurance and see if someone specializes. But here at Chesterfield Counseling, we have a, a plethora of different people who would be able to help you on that journey. It's non-judgmental. Um, you, it, it is confidential. You don't have to worry about someone, you know, telling your pastor or other people that you came in. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, um, you are the only one who can make that choice to propel yourself forward in health. So we, we encourage you to reach out at least and uh, and see if it's something that would be helpful to you. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Any, any last uh, parting words? This has been really interesting that there's a lot here to think about. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. I think just continuing to think about this topic with a lot of openness and kindness is kind of the best place to start. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jenny. And um hope you have enjoyed this uh, very, very interesting and um, prob- probably very personal podcast. Um, if you have questions for us, please go ahead and reach out to us. We'd love to help you further on this journey. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for having Jenny. me.